Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Kim. And this is The Department, a podcast about trends and how they define the world around us. Welcome to episode 58 here at the department. We're doing things a little differently tonight. I wanted to surprise Kim with a fun episode because she works all the time. She needs to have some fun. (laughs) Why not do some work for free, but make it fun? (laughs) Oh, that sounds fun. Sounds fun, right? She literally has no idea what we're talking about. And I'm really excited about it. Like putting this episode together was so much fun fun for me. So we're not going to tell you yet what this episode is about, although I suppose by the time you see this, you're going to see the title. Um, you are you are listening, you already know, but Kim doesn't. <laughs> anyway, Kim, I know you have a spiel. Give everyone your spiel. I'm going to keep it super short. You've, okay. If you've already listened to the podcast, you, you definitely <laughs> know that all, all we're going to ask you to do is just, you know, tell your friends and family about the podcast. Um, also, make sure to follow us on your preferred streaming service. Uh, you know, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you do follow Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave us a five-star rating and review if you can. Um, And lastly, make sure to follow us on Instagram where we put extra content when we can means all of those things. We've got a really great community on there. So please join us at underscore the underscore department. Uh (laughs) (laughs) If you need any show notes or links, please check us out on on our website, thedepartment.world. Uh, I I think I should just mention something that happened to Kim and I uh, in the past couple weeks. Uh, It means we're like really a real podcast now. And that is that we got our first one-star review. Oh, my gosh. And it was really mean. Like really, really mean. I thought about it all day. It made me feel terrible. Yeah, it was really mean and it was really taken out of context. They accused all of our reviews of being fake. Yeah. And it was really, it was really, I basically was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm like, I'm just, like, not doing anything for a while. <laughs> like, I, like that was, like, the biggest, you know, buzzkill on everything. And I was just like, yeah. what a fucking rude person. And guess what? Her full name is actually listed on the review. I know. Wow. We talked in our trolling episode about how people feel empowered to be nasty on the internet because their, like, identity is hidden. Although, I just want to say, I see people being nasty all the time on Facebook, and I'm like, uh, I can see, like, your whole family. <laughs> but this person's username, unless it's a fake name, is full on their full name, like, first, mm-hmm. middle, last. And I just, not that I, please, nobody reach out to them or anything like that. Like, they were just clearly having a bad day, and we were the recipient of that bad day. But if you haven't left a review yet and you'd like to, I think this is a great time. Let's like push that one down because I really just hate that new people who are new to the podcast are going to see that and think that we like encourage people to write fake reviews or something. And I just want to reiterate again, it made us feel like shit. Yeah, it was awful. I felt terrible all day. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was like, I would love to meet that person and have her say that to my face. And then I was like, oh my God, stop thinking about it. But then I went and got on a plane and I was like on the plane, like, I just can't believe this. Anyway, if you don't like the podcast, just don't listen. I know. I was like, should we even keep going? 
Like, should we keep making this podcast? Because if I'm just going to get those reviews. It's just, it's just no fun anymore. I know. Seriously. Seriously. I think that people don't realize the power of their words like that. Like, it was really, really hurtful. And we're not here. Don't feel sorry for us. Like I said, do not look up this person. Don't even go look at the review. Honestly, just ignore it. Um, but it definitely, this stuff affects you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And uh, I'm glad we didn't quit making the department over it. But the, well, I think we both definitely thought about it. It was a bummer. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. if you have a suggestion for an episode, want to tell us about a trend we're missing, or just want to share your own story, feelings, whatever, please call our hotline number or send us a voice memo that you've recorded on your phone or computer. You can also be really extra and send us an email. You can, uh, which we get, and we get really excited mm-hmm. about. Kim forwarded me an awesome email yesterday. Um, you can also DM Kim on Instagram, tell her what you're thinking, give her some ideas. Um, and you can find all the details for contacting us on our website. Once again, that's the department.world. So I promised you all a really fun episode tonight. Are you ready, Kim? I'm ready. Don't scroll through our doc. I'm going to set the scene for you, okay? Okay. Okay, are you ready? Uh-huh. Maybe you want to close your eyes. Maybe not. It's really up to you. But I want you to picture it. It's New York City. It's a sunny day. A woman, she's, I don't know, maybe she's in her 30s. She's walking down the street. She has wild, wavy hair. She's wearing a nice coral lipstick. Her outfit, in my opinion, it's it's timeless. Timeless woodwear right now. Um, I guess I forgot to mention that this scene that I'm describing right now is happening more than 20 years ago. Mm. Anyway, this woman, she's tiny. She's very petite. She's wearing a pink tank top tucked into a white tutu skirt. She's walking oh. down the street. Okay. She's wearing some fabulous shoes. <laughs> she's carrying a clutch. She's on top of the world. And just then, a bus rolls <gasps> by and splashes her with gross <laughs> New York City puddle water. And the irony of the whole thing this woman's face is literally on the bus that just splashed her. And her name, our hero here, is Carrie Bradshaw. <laughs> and according to the ad on the bus, she knows good sex and isn't afraid to ask, cue the saxophones. <laughs> yes. yes, my friends. We're talking about sex in the city and the tons of fashion and social trends it launched. That's so exciting. I know. So fun, right? Did you guess that that's what it was going to be before we started? No, I I didn't know what you were going to talk Good. about. Good. It was really hard for me to keep this one under wraps because I was like really excited <laughs> and just like had such a wild waltz down memory lane as I was researching this. Just so fascinating to me and uh, to look back and see the effects that one show had on fashion, society, cupcakes. Yeah. I mean, like cocktails. This, yeah, and this show. I just want to m- remind everybody: it wasn't on a major network. This is a pre-streaming era, too. It was on HBO, so people had to have a subscription to HBO to watch it, or like I did, check the DVDs out of the library. Uh, probably not very on brand for that show, but that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about Sex in the City. Uh, it's a great time to talk about it because one, did you know the reboot is coming in December? No. Wait, a reboot? Yes. What do you mean a reboot? Well, it's a, it's a reboot in that it's all the same actresses, all the same people, except Kim Cattrall right. will not be there. And right, what's his deep. name just passed away too? 
Yes, Willie Garson. I believe oh. that is his name, a.k.a. Stanford Blatch. Oh, so sad. He was such a 90s mm-hmm. guy, you know? Uh, yeah, uh, very sad. I, I I don't usually get too, like, emotional about celebrity deaths because I'm like, well, I don't really know that person. But I felt mm-hmm. very sad about the loss of Willie Garson. Well, here are a few quick facts about Sex and the City, just in case you're new to it. Um, it's an adaptation of Candace Bushnell's 1997 book of the same name, which I believe, you can tell me if I'm wrong here, Kim, it was based on columns she wrote, not for the Village Voice, but for another New York paper, right? About being single and sexy. Maybe. I don't know, actually. <laughs> um, it aired on HBO from 1998 to 2004, 94 episodes over six seasons. There were two feature films. Of mixed quality, oh. I'll be honest oh, here. Pretty, the pretty second mixed. one, <laughs> yeah. The first one, I remember seeing it in the theater, being very excited. Like, you know what? I mm-hmm. miss these girls, right? And it was fun. It was fun. It wasn't great, but it was fun. The second one is unwatchable. Yeah, you, it is so. You horrible. might as well just throw that oh. time away into the toilet. Yeah, I wish I had never seen that one, honestly. And I've seen it twice now. <laughs> I was like, maybe it got better. Oh, God, it's worse. <laughs> you know? Was that the single ladies one where they're like, oh, no, they do, like, uh, the Yeah, where they have the wedding. Yes. Yes. It starts oh, with God. with Stanford and, uh, oh, my God, Anthony's wedding. It's like over the top. Yeah. There's swans. There's Liza Minnelli. There's single right, ladies. And she's the one saying, yes. sing- oh, God. Yeah. And it's just from the first moment, you're like, this movie is terrible. And it just gets worse. <laughs> It's so like offensive. Bad. It's xenophobic. <laughs> it's just, it's just horrible. Um, so yeah, sad, sad about the movies being so bad. Um, Sex and the City itself. If you're new to it, it starred four best friends: Sarah Jessica Parker as Carrie Bradshaw, Kim Cattrall as Samantha Jones, Kristen Davis as Charlotte York, and Cynthia Nixon as Miranda Hobbs. And you know, Cynthia Nixon ran for like Senate or. I don't know, mm-hmm. Congress or something like a year or two ago. She didn't win, but I thought that was really cool. I definitely. Yeah. Um, Kim, you know, we ha- we might as well just ask the question now because think of over the years how many conversations you've had to have with people. <laughs> are you a Carrie? Are you a Samantha? Are you a Charlotte? Are you a Miranda? Who are you? You know, I'd have to probably say a Miranda. I agree. You love a blazer. I love a blazer. I mean – I'm not fully a Miranda, but, you know, I love cake. I love a blazer. (laughs) I can't identify with any of them. I, like, I think maybe when I was 25, I was like, I'm a a Carrie because I'm a writer. Right. But as I got She's so annoying, though. She's so annoying. Uh, So annoying. Does not hold up. A lot of this show does not hold up. We're not here to defend Sex and the City. We're here to talk about the effect that one television show that only aired for six seasons on paid cable, on premium cable, I guess that's what it's called, had such a crazy effect on the world as a whole and the odds. So all of the incredible styling and outfitting, it's legendary from Sex and the City. Um, I was looking at tons of pictures today. I'm just going to tell you. Mm-hmm. The styling holds up, all done by the legendary Patricia Field. Um, until 2016, she had her own unique and amazing, amazing boutique in Greenwich Village, just a few yes. blocks from Washington Square Park. And I mean, she's done a lot of other styling and whatnot since then, but she is known for her work on Sex and the City. What else can we say here before we jump in? Well, the show has not aged well in so many ways, right? It's super white. 
It's super yeah. privileged. It's blind mm-hmm. to the world around them. I mean, it's I look at it as just like fantasy and then it's more watchable for me. But if you look at Sex and the City to reflect as like a document that reflects the late 90s and the early aughts, it in no way does. I think that's so interesting when you think about the effect it had on culture and fashion. It in no way is a time capsule of that actual time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it definitely made New York another, like an epicenter again, particularly for, for like fashion sure. and culture. Definitely made New York an aspirational brand. And mm-hmm. a recurring theme throughout the entire series was how magical New York was and how much the characters love New York. Uh, it, it was, at times, it was very transphobic and it was really just old timey, very retrograde about sexuality, consent, gender. A lot of the sex stuff was weird. Uh, it doesn't sit well with me now. I feel like yeah, exactly. there was a lot of internalized misogyny. Just, it was just, it was, it doesn't age well, but I do feel that its attitudes about sex and women and consent and relationships were so of the time. For sure. I mean, we've talked about like, how the early aughts were kind of like one of the worst times ever to be a woman or a girl. (laughs) And in that way, this accurately reflects that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, What else do I know? Word on the street is that everyone in the cast hates Kim Cattrall. That's why she's not coming back for the reboot. I talked to Dustin about it, and he's like, there's no way this show works without her. I don't know. What do you think, Kim? Hmm... I don't know. I mean, it's not like, you know, like where Roseanne got, you know, booted from her own show. And it, you're kind of like, really? <laughs> you know, like, it's better and, and without it's still her. going on. Yeah, it's, I've watched it's it. Still it's go, better it's still, without her. Yeah. But, and, but yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, well, I don't know. Kim Cattrall. I feel like we could find a better character. It's true. I mean, I will say that when I think back to the most offensive parts of Sex and the City. Yes. They all came out of her mouth. Not that she wrote those yeah. scripts, but that character, I don't think that character works in 2021. Like she would have to have had this yeah. incredible reckoning sometime in the last 10 years. Um, Cause she just, she feels the most out of date of all of them, you know? Yes, exactly. Um, Are they adding in any new characters? Because I, I, I don't know how they're going to diversify. Yeah, I mean, I think that will be interesting. I have no idea. All the pictures I've seen so far are only the three women. Um, there's rumors that Mr. Big is dead. Uh, Whoa. People are rumoring that they killed off Samantha. I don't know. I mean, I told Dustin, like, I'm going to have to watch it just to know. But I will say it's, it's like the first wife's club. Yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> I just don't know how it holds up. I it, the, sh- the original show doesn't hold up. So it's hard for me to envision the version that feels right for now. And so yeah. I'm just automatically coming in biased. Like there's no way it works. I have no idea. We'll find out. I'll give you an update when December rolls around. I mean, I'm watching it. Yeah. I'm telling you. Is it on HBO? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll watch it. I'm, I mean, if any of the the movies I know Steve. have any sort of um, reflection of what it's going to be like, it's going to be absolutely horrifyingly terrible. But you know what? Maybe it won't. Maybe now that HBO is really a big part of it, I don't know. I, yeah, who knows? It'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I'm sure they've got. All did you the money ever watch the, the Carrie Diaries? I did. <laughs> Because I yeah, love like a teenager show. Yeah, it was horrible. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it was just it was really like bad, bad. It was just bad. And it, it didn't make any sense. It, it was like, yeah. why does this show exist? Like, 
if it was going to be accurate and really be about Carrie Bradshaw's teen years, which was the conceit there, wouldn't it have taken place in like the 80s or the 70s or something? And it didn't. It yeah. was like contemporary. So you just suspend all this disbelief. It was really, really weird. It didn't make any sense at all. Wait, wasn't it wasn't it supposed to be in the 80s? No one looked like I it wrong? was the 80s. I'll just say that. If that's the case, yeah. then they did a bad – I mean, it was just bad. It was really bad. And I feel like they probably paid a lot of money to use that intellectual property, and they just yeah. blew it. Very, very disappointing. Um, so, yeah, not having high hopes for the reboot. But, once again, cannot emphasize enough how much impact this show has had on the first mm-hmm. 10 years of the century. Uh, one last thing I, I, I want watched, to I watched every episode. I oh, definitely me too. Was like, okay, make uh, sure that you watch every single episode, you know. Yeah, yeah, every single episode. In fact, remember, a few years ago, you came to visit me yes. in Portland on Thanksgiving, and we all ended up just watching, like, 30 episodes <laughs> of Sex and the City, and it was so <laughs> yes. fun because we were all, like, half drunk the whole yes. time, full of cheese. It was great. Mm -hmm. Uh, The last thing (laughs) I will just want to call out, which I noticed more than ever when we all watched it together, is that Carrie is a horrible friend. Yeah, She is kind of a ding-dong about life in general. And Mm -hmm. she seemed to be that friend who's always hung up on some dude. And I just found her unbearable Mm -hmm. on the second watch. And the squealing. Like, she just is, yeah, she is completely unbearable. But she was supposed to be this, like, feminist icon. And we'll talk in some, we'll talk about a few mm-hmm. things that happened on that show that ostensibly were supposed to convey that she was this feminist icon, this free thinker. Oh. And all I could think re-watching it with all of you is, like, she's terrible. Yeah. I don't want she her is. to be a hero for me. She's not a mentor. She's not a role model. Uh, maybe You know, I was thinking about how uh, the conceit of Seinfeld – which I did not know when I watched it as a kid, was that it was about terrible people doing terrible things and being really selfish. And I kind of can't help but wonder if that's the case with Sex and the City. (laughs) Kind of, yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be being fabulous, but... But terrible. But terrible. It it really, it captures something of this century, like in that way, right? Right. So we're going to start with all of the fashion trends that Sex and the City started. And if I miss any here, Kim, jump in because there are so Mm -hmm. many. Um, Once again, shout out to Patricia Field because all of these Mm -hmm. style trends came from her. And some of them were really groundbreaking, starting with the big flowers, like pinning a huge flower on your top, on your bag, in your hair. This is one of those things that, like, we totally knocked off at Urban Outfitters, and we sold shit tons of these big silk flowers that you pinned onto things. Everyone loved this trend. I actually was looking at photos of this, and I was like, I like it again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm surprised that it hasn't come back yet. I know. It got ruined for a while now, but it looks fresh. Like, I think, Uh I wonder, I mean, the thing that I speculate most about, and, like, the internet is already filled with, like, a gazillion think pieces about this, is what will the new trends from the reboot be? Because, I mean, I'm going to tell you more about this, but some of the stuff that's already been shown is, like, selling out. Uh, Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't know who the customer is, but... I do wonder, like, are they going to bring back some of this classic stuff? Because it's, it's like, I looked at so many pictures of the outfits from the first few seasons of Sex and the City, and I was like, oh, my God, these look so new and fresh again, mm-hmm. which really speaks to just how talented Patricia Field is. Yeah. Uh, the next one was nameplate necklaces, meaning, like, a oh, necklace right. with your name in gold. And this was, like, Carrie's signature item. 
and it mm-hmm. said Carrie. Um, she, I remember it being so sad. It was a key plot point when she was in Paris on that disastrous trip with that horrible Mikhail Baryshnikov. Oh, right, right. That relation, they had zero chemistry as like actors and the whole thing was unplausible. I was like, he's like old enough to be her dad or older. Uh, he's unbearable. And, uh, (laughs) she went to Paris to live with him and lost her nameplate necklace there. And it was, it was sad because, you know, it, even Carrie would say, like, well, it cost very little. And you have to remember Carrie had, a, like, a whole room of $500 shoes. So, like, her yes. her idea of cost is a little skewed. But, she, you know, she said it, it represented a day that she was out in New York City having a great time with her friends. And it started this massive trend of wearing nameplate necklaces. So I, I wondered where that came from, and I found out, I, I found, I, man, the l- amount of in-style magazine that I had to read to prepare for this episode. Uh, haven't in looked style. at a copy of in-style since, like, I don't know, 2006. Uh, so like, I was like, wow, this feels very retro to me already, because in-style had to be, at, like, at the top of the world in this era, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in 2015, Patricia Field told InStyle, I, had a shop, I have a shop in New York City, and a lot of the kids in the neighborhood wore them, meaning the nameplate necklaces. I thought, maybe I'll show it to Sarah Jessica, and she'll like the idea. She did, and she made it happen. It became a universal, long-lasting thing. After it became what it became, I understood the draw. I think there's a trend now towards smaller pieces, and the name necklace fits within that genre. Names are timeless. Every woman has one. Young, old, short, or tall. Um, I also just want to add, wait, do people really call Sarah Jessica Parker Sarah Jessica? That's a lot. That's a lot. Sarah Jessica. (laughs) Sarah Jessica. I never thought about that. Yeah. I I know it's like SJP. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I I thought Jessica was a middle name. But there you go. But could you ever imagine calling her Sarah? No. I mean, well, in right? my mind, she's Carrie Bradshaw. That's true. <laughs> I can't separate them. <laughs> I, so like, not even, not even, not even Sarah. It's just Carrie. <laughs> he was on a show on HBO a few years ago for a few seasons that was actually really good, where she was getting divorced. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but it was it was really good. And even there, I was like, oh, so this is like Carrie Bradshaw getting a divorce. I couldn't tell you the name of that character on there because in my mind, it was Carrie. I just can't. Oh. I can't. I can't think of her She's as typecast. Someone. She's uh-huh. typecast. Yeah. Yeah. So um, a lot of people right now in the jewelry industry are anxiously awaiting what will be the it piece of jewelry that Carrie wears in this reboot. Uh, I actually read a New York Times article about it. Um, all of these different people in the industry speculating. One front runner for the next Carrie necklace could be a $595 turquoise and malachite rope because the necklace is really visible around mm. her neck in the official publicity still for the new series. No um, and the, 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 uh, the promo stills have only been out there in the world for a couple months. And by mid-August, the necklace has already sold out. The show hasn't even aired yet. Oh, my God. I know. I know. Crazy, right? Wait, it's a, what is it again? It's a... It's like... T- turquoise and... Yeah, hold on. I'm going to look. I'm going to send you a picture of it. You're going to be like, this This is the update okay. to the name necklace, the nameplate necklace, because it's just like not. It's, it's much more mature. Although I was also thinking like, I mean, once again, it's like really hard for me to imagine what this reboot is like, because... 
everybody's 20 years older now, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, what what do they do? Like, is everyone still hooking up and stuff? You know? Right. They, they have to be, like, s- s- some of them have to be settled, right? Well, I mean, in that last movie, it seemed like Carrie and Big were going to get a divorce soon. Yeah. I, I dropped the necklace into the dock. Oh, okay. Oh. See? <laughs> we're going to share this. Don't worry. We're going to share all this in the show notes. But it is a no-nameplate necklace. I'll just tell you that. Yeah, no. I really do hope that the flower comes back. I hope so, too. Looking at it, I'm, like, into it. I think, it. you know, if you really want to start up a business right now, start making these flowers You again. heard it here first. You heard it start here making first. Them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other things that were massive trends that I look back now and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's where they began. Ballerina skirts. Like what Carrie was oh. wearing in the intro. Those are still relevant. They went on for a really long time. Do you remember at uh, Nasty Gal when when those were really, really popular? Oh, yeah. Also in like 2016? Yes. yes. Couldn't keep them in stock. Could not. Could not. Yeah, I, I bet they're ripe for a comeback too. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody kind of a little bit loves looking like a ballerina. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like a really aspirational style. So I could see that coming back. Uh, Miranda's short haircut. Oh, I never really liked it. It got better. I It did the get first better. Season, I was looking at some photos from the first season today, and I was like, ooh, that's bad. But it got better over time. Yeah. It was very cute. Like, her color was also really harsh in the early seasons, mm-hmm. and they softened it up. Uh, how about how Charlotte wore a lot of really pink feminine clothing? Yes. She was very ladies who, lady who lunches. Very, very. Then there were all of Samantha's amazing pantsuits. I was mm-hmm. looking at them today, and I was like, damn, like, she could yeah, wear a pantsuit. They were really, really good. Carrie's vintage fur coats, and just, in general, the mainstreamification of vintage clothing. Like, mm-hmm. Carrie would go vintage shopping and wear vintage clothing. And that was, at that time, something only that, like, alternative people did. You know, hipsters, whatever. Yeah. The next one was the Fendi baguette purse. Oh, yes. And that thing is coming back. Yes. I was thinking the same thing. I've been seeing it. If you're wondering what that is, I mean, we're going to have pictures in the show notes, but it's kind of just like a really small purse with like mm. a strap and you would literally wear it over your shoulder, but it would be like almost in your armpit. Um, And apparently they were using them so heavily on the show. According to uh, one of the show's stylists, Rebecca Weinberg, she told InStyle in 2010, in that moment, we were literally creating outfits around the Fendi bag. And it worked. Like, everybody wanted that bag. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one that is not a fashion trend uh, is Tasty Delight. (laughs) It's just, like, seriously, Kim. You love talking about iced Desserts. It's desserts. I can't believe all the different ways in which this show motivated people to buy and like things. So in season six, Charlotte is shown eating Tasted Delight, and she talks about how it's like her favorite frozen treat. And that was in 2004. Mm. And just hordes of women rush to try it. And this, like, the Tasty Delight business just blew up. Like, it was the best thing that ever happened to them. Her walking down the street with a cup in her hand. It's just frozen yogurt. 
It's like oh, okay, the, more frozen yogurt. It's like the East Coast Pinkberry, I guess I yeah. would say. And it went wild. They were able to open all these other locations. I mean, they'll say it was like the best thing that ever happened to their business. All we're talking mm. about is Charlotte walking down the street carrying a cup of frozen yogurt. That's all it took. Wow. And you know, I was thinking, yeah. I was thinking about girls the other day because I think uh-huh. girls was really pitched to a lot of us as like Sex in the City for the millennials, right? Because these, because yes, real talk, exactly. the Sex in the City characters were a lot older than us, and they lived in a world that we didn't live in. Whereas girls were supposed to be people more our age and more like the people who are around us, and. The expectation there, I think, was that girls would start a lot of similar trends, and I just don't think it did. No, no, right? It wasn't as impressive at all. It wasn't. No. It wasn't. Um, one that I don't want to talk about too much because your dad might be listening to this episode well, is Brazilian. Probably not. Okay, good. If we're talking about Sex in the City, he wants absolutely nothing. Okay, to good, do with good. It. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. Brazilian bikini waxes. Yes. Apparently, listen, I went down a weird rabbit hole. I read so many different articles about Brazilian bikini waxes, and every <laughs> single article said it all started with Sex in the City. That it was wow. not a popular thing to do until they talked about it on Sex in the City, and then everyone was getting one. I wonder if it's like a trickle down effect of like the kind of r- richer lifestyle of like going to. Um, you know, like some beach vacations and things like that. Yeah, maybe it or, was. Maybe it was. I mean, I think it's so interesting because I do remember that being like trendy, you know? Mm-hmm. A place opened in Portland like, that only did Brazilians. Oh. In Portland. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in Portland. <laughs> oh. Uh. Well, you can't talk about Sex and the City without talking about Manolo Blahniks, right? The iconic shoes that Carrie wore. They were about $400 to $500. I'm just going to be really upfront and say, like, this is not my kind of shoe. I cannot imagine yeah. wearing one of these on my feet and existing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're still no, it hurts. You know? Uh, there wasn't a lot of shoe to them, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it was interesting that we were supposed to believe that Carrie Bradshaw was just tromping around New York City in those shoes all the time. Impossible. Impossible. Impo- impossible. Impossible. She would have permanently have a cast on her ankle. I know. <laughs> I mean, they're definitely the shoes for a person that only, only rides in cars, like yeah. takes cars. Like, that's that's what it is. But- I do remember I had um, dinner once here in L.A. with one of the... There's like this one actor and he's in one of the episodes and he plays this kind of foot fetish pervert. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. He works at the shoe store. Yes. Yes. He works at the shoe store. Yes, Yes, exactly. Yeah. And um, he was telling, he was talking about how his like Catholic, his Catholic mother didn't understand what was happening. And the fact that he was like basically (laughs) orgasming and he just, she just kept saying that it was, he was making funny faces. (laughs) Couldn't understand the content oh my God. of I love that. <laughs> the situation. That makes me so happy. I'm actually also going to a going away party for a friend who's also in Sex in the City. No way. Um, yes, yes. So she was in this one episode, the one with oh gosh, uh, not Cheryl Crow, Crow um, another 
with the cur- kind of curly wavy hair. She was like, uh, anyway, she was in it. And it was, I think they were, they were playing spin the bottle. Wow. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Got a lot of sex in the city stuff happening over here. I guess so. It, it all adds up to me. Mm-hmm. It really does. Well, the thing about Carrie, there are a lot of things about Carrie, but we were supposed to believe that she was addicted to shoes. And I will say, this definitely had a trickle-down effect into the lower-price point shoe market, where it became a thing that, as a woman, you ought to have a lot of shoes. And what came along with that was all mm-hmm. kinds of, like, dumb, like, shoe-themed merchandise. Like, I got you this shoe <laughs> paperweight or picture frame because I hear you like shoes. It was, like, that kind yeah. of thing. You know what I'm talking about. You can picture it. It's definitely yeah. started this trend of, Women are buying lots of shoes they can't walk in. But maybe instead of buying $500 Manolos, they're buying like $40 shoe dazzles or something, right? It definitely started a thing. And I think it's so interesting because like I said, you cannot just walk around New York City in a pair of Manolos. You just cannot. But people watching it would be led to believe that because there were so many just iconic moments of the girls just walking around. In the street, and, you know, each of them wearing $20,000 worth of clothes. And I think it created this idea that, like, if you're any kind of woman who's stylish, you most certainly are walking around in these miserable shoes. And you just can't. (laughs) You just can't. Um, I would love to see what the podiatry industry was doing in this era because I bet they saw a big boost, too, as well as the, like, ankle wrap. (laughs) industry uh mm-hmm. like the ace bandage corporation <laughs> <laughs> or or even just like the pedicures yeah I mean, that that became like such a huge thing like you go to, to new york and pedicures are really 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 cheap mm-hmm. it's basically slave labor and it's really terrible yeah yeah it's true this was the era where suddenly everybody was getting was getting a pedicure and i was like wait i thought you like weren't into that kind of thing like it was shocking it was shocking mm-hmm. um well manolo's really got a boost with Sex in the City because this was like Carrie's shoe. There was an episode, it sticks in my mind forever, where she needed to buy her apartment, but she had no money, but she easily had like $50,000 worth of shoes in her closet because she's an idiot. Also, a closet that can fit that many shoes. I'm sorry. Like, that doesn't exist. In New York City. Yeah. No. Exactly. Exactly. On your writing one column a week salary. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But Manolo's were actually already the shoe of choice well before Sex and the City for Bianca Jagger, Grace Coddington, and Princess Mm -hmm. Diana. But literally no woman did more for Blahnik's business than Carrie Bradshaw. By the year 2000, so we're still a couple seasons in here, but you know we're not at the peak of Sex and the City mayhem. 30,000 Manolos were being sold Whoa. a year just at Neiman Marcus, Kim. One department store chain. Wow. Yeah, crazy. Uh, in season six, in an episode called A Woman's Right to Shoes – Carrie's Manolos are stolen at a baby shower. I remember that one. Remember, the host is a condescending mm-hmm. jerk about it. Really mm-hmm. annoying character, actually. And Carrie ends up sending them a wedding invitation because mm-hmm. she is marrying herself and she is registered at Manolo Blahnik. That was like a little <laughs> bit of a micro trend there, like marrying uh-huh. yourself because you're like a feminist icon. That turned into a thing for a while. Like, Carrie Bradshaw, feminist icon. <laughs> I will say there's like this show this show is always like we're so feminist, right? Like that's that's the that's the theme here, right? We're all, just cuz 
it's about women doesn't mean that it's feminist. Yeah, it's like actually <laughs> not. And it's like the most white no. privileged feminism if it, it is. is at all. And there's so much internalized misogyny. I look at Sex in the City and I see the birth of Girl Boss. Yes. Like with Samantha. I mean, Samantha was like the proto girl boss. Yeah, she really was. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do I was just laughing now, just thinking of at Carrie's book <laughs> Carrie's book release party, right before it, Sam Samantha goes in to get some Botox or something, ends up getting a peel. I remember her face is like all hamburger oh, right. and she comes in like a crazy veil. Yes, but I do. Th- I remember that. I do think that this also launched Botox <laughs> and peels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the beauty industry is probably so grateful to the show. It really made all of this self care. Like Middle America was into it. You know, like it was. It, it's it's on par with the the uh, the Rachel. Yeah, haircut. yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, this just this was like a gift that just kept on giving, you know, in terms of clothing, makeup, mm-hmm. personal care, travel, drinks. We didn't even get to the Cosmo yet, but of course it's coming. I mean, it really sold this aspirational lifestyle that only a very tiny percentage of people can have. Nothing added up with how anyone lived on that show. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> at all, at all. So – Here's one that I did not know came from Sex and the City, but I knew was a really big deal in the aughts, which was He's Just Not That Into You. Have you ever heard of this book? Of course. It was like the best-selling self-help book of the aughts. It came out in 2004. And it's about, you know, like a guy is just not that into you. It was mm-hmm. it was really groundbreaking, actually, because- It kind of was. It kind yeah. of was. And I still, you know, I think about that book a lot. Like, I'm like, well, seems like he's not really that into you. Because before that, for those of you who lived in a pre, he's just not that into you world, um, your friends would say, oh, he's just afraid of his feelings, or he's intimidated by you, or that's why he's icing mm-hmm. you out or whatever. No, he's just not that into you. So I had no idea, but this comes directly from Sex and the City. I mean, this book was such a phenomenon. It was featured on Oprah. It was on the New York Times bestseller list for a very long time. And it even was turned into a movie in 2009 with seriously the most early aughts A-list cast imaginable. Mm -hmm. Ben Affleck, Jennifer Aniston. Drew Barrymore, Kevin Connolly, Jennifer Connolly, Bradley Cooper, Jennifer Goodwin, Scarlett Johansson, and Justin Long. It was even yep. produced by Flower Films, which is Drew oh. Barrymore's company. And it didn't get great reviews, but it grossed more than $180 million worldwide. I mean, how could you not wow. go see that movie in 2009 with that, with that cast, you know? Exactly. So you're probably wondering, how does this relate to Sex and the City? Well, first off, the book's authors... Greg Barrent and Liz Tuccio were writers on the show. And it was inspired by an episode called Pick a Little, Take a Little. Miranda asks Carrie's current dude, Jack Berger, to give his opinion on a guy she's dating. Specifically about how, like, the night before, the guy turned her da- turned down her invitation to come back to her apartment because he had an early meeting. Berger says, 
He's just not that into you. Adding, when a guy's really into you, he's coming upstairs, meeting or no meeting. Mm-hmm. I have to say that Jack Berger, of all the dudes that Carrie went out with, I mean, okay, can we just, <laughs> let's just take a pause here. I found that a vast majority of the men on this show were so unappealing to me. Oh, I absolutely. had to suspend my disbelief constantly. Like, why absolutely. would this woman Oh, just be so him? disgusting. Right? Just so disgusting. Especially any man that that um, Samantha was involved with except for oh my God. Smith Jared. Whoa. Right? Smith Jared, exactly. own category. But every- Wait, do you remember that, like, really rich guy with, like, the mouth? And, of course, he's, like, a, a famous actor or whatever. But oh, I was, yeah. I was like, the really rich guy. What was his name? Um, Richard. Richard. And he gave her that pearl thong. That's disgusting, oh, by yeah. the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, like, they broke up and they went to, like, Atlantic City yes, or whatever. Oh. Yes. Um. Anyway, all the guys on there were really gross for the most part. Aiden, okay, yeah, wouldn't throw Aiden out either. I'd no. him. But I'll say Jack Berger was probably the only guy on that show that I could actually envision myself dating. I yeah. I love Jack Berger type. Uh, but what's most fascinating about Jack Berger and most legendary about that character, and you know what's coming, is the oh, yep. breaking up via post-it note. Yep. Now, I looked at a lot of different articles about the trends around sex in the city, like people looking back and thinking what were the hot trends. And I'm going to tell you, the Washington Post swears and declares that breaking up via post-it note was a trend for a little bit. Do you believe that? I don't believe that. (laughs) Uh, Do you think girls did it? I don't know. I Was there like also did post-it see like increased sales? (laughs) Probably. Oh, yeah. I think everything saw little blurps. Even post-its. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you haven't seen Sex and the City, Jack Berger literally breaks up with Carrie via post-it note. It's like three words written on it. I. It's pretty, pretty devastating. I mean, you have to remember, this is a pre-texting era. Uh, it was a lot harder to ghost someone then, which is interesting because – you could ghost someone a lot more easily <laughs> than I think about mm-hmm. it. It just wasn't a phenomenon. And so that's true. You had to break up apparently via post-it. Yeah. And it was like, I, oh my gosh, when this went down, I mean, there were articles about it everywhere. Is this the end of dating now that people think you can break up via post-it note? And I laugh in, in just wait, just wait, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, um, so perhaps that was a trend. Maybe Jack Berger started the trend of breaking up via text, which turned into the trend of ghosting, which turned into like seventy-five other terms that someone's creating right now about all the terrible ways someone who you've been involved with can treat you. I don't know. Well, I mean, how who do you think would be a perfect fit for Carrie? Because she's so freaking annoying. Oh, I mean, like, oof. like I'm sure Jack was just like, oh god, yeah, no, it like, makes this just sucks. Yeah, I mean, I feel, I feel like he's a dude that would hang out with our group of friends, and so to imagine him having to hang out with that group of people <laughs> and to deal with Carrie and all her shrieking and her shoes, you know, in real life, Carrie couldn't <laughs> go anywhere because she couldn't walk. You know, her shrieking her shoes. Yeah, she's like such the worst, like stick in the mud, only cares about herself. Like, oh. I mean, the episode that really sticks to me 
it sticks in my mind as like this is proof that Carrie is an asshole is when she needs to get the money to buy her apartment, which she doesn't have because she has like $50,000 worth of shoes in her closet. She's angry and confronts Charlotte about it because she thinks Charlotte should have just offered her the money. Do you remember that? Like it's not even that like she asked Charlotte and Charlotte said no. It was that Charlotte didn't just come out and offer to do it. As if giving someone $50,000 or $100,000 is NBD. That's right. They weren't they at brunch or something, and and Carrie was talking about how she needed the money, and Charlotte just didn't say yes, anything. Yes, and Carrie was just like so pissed off, like it's just like, oh my god, yeah, sorry, dude, like she's not a bank. Well, also, I just don't know if I want to loan money to my friend who has fifty thousand no. dollars worth of shoes. It really speaks to a level of irresponsibility. And mm-hmm. also like that Carrie's annoying. <laughs> Carrie's also annoying. And she like, yeah, she's, she's um, privileged. She feels like, like she's owed this. Yeah. And it makes me angry to this day. This is a fiction show. I'm aware, but the episode <laughs> ends with Charlotte selling her engagement ring to give Carrie the money. And I just hate that so much because if there are any justice oh. in the world, in this fictional world, I'm aware I'm talking about fiction. <laughs> that would not have happened. Mm-hmm. I just, that, that always really bugged me. And as I watched it like again, a few years ago with you, I was like, yeah, Carrie's dead to me. I just can't with yeah. her anymore. So yeah, I, I don't, can't. I don't blame Jack Berger for breaking up with her via post ad. I mean, the other thing about Carrie is she seems in, incapable of preparing a meal, of caring yes. for herself. Uh, she walked Aiden's dog and lost him. You know, like, oh. she's just a mess. She is. She's a mess. I mean, do you think... She's not a good role model she's by not. any means. But I feel like she was for a lot of women of that time. And then we, everyone just got really upset. It was like, who's your Mr. Big? Who's some dude who gaslights you, who treats you oh. like crap, who kind of uses you when he needs attention? Uh, who's your Mr. Big? Like, it would be like, who's your Mr. Big? People would talk about that. And you know what? I would say that perhaps none of us need a Mr. Big. You need a Steve, you need an Aiden, or you need a Burger. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes, I am aware that Burger broke up with her via post-it note, but, like, I I get it. But she was also the worst. Yeah. He was also just the worst. I mean, I guess if I were going to pick any of them, I'd probably pick Aiden, because he can also build furniture. Remember when they went to his country house in Suffern, New York? And she was such a bitch about it. She was unbearable. Yeah, I'm like, please take me to suffer in New York. I would love to spend a weekend in a cabin. I won't invite my ex-boyfriend <laughs> over. <laughs> Carrie. Anyway, Carrie, Carrie does not age well. <laughs> no. So no. so yeah, so he's just not the into you came from Sex and the City. And like it was groundbreaking. I just I can't even think of another dating book of this century that had the impact of that book. I can't think of anything. Right. I don't know why it became a movie, but whatever. It was a self-help yeah. book. It was, it was yeah. a stretch. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about the Cosmopolitan. We have to. Oh, yes. We have to. I remember. Do you like a Cosmo? When- not really. They're really strong. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I don't ever really I mean they're also very dated now. Of oh course. my god, yeah, we're gonna talk about that. Yeah, I I remember the first time I had a Cosmo, I was like, this is what they drink? Why yeah. this? Um I will just I do want to pure alcohol. Yeah, and just <laughs> gross. I do want to give a shout out to my dad, Chris McCarty. Who does, in fact, he's like legendary for his Cosmo making abilities. Oh. Um, he makes them for all the ladies. But if you're a man, does he listen to this? You, he doesn't. But you know, maybe someday he will, and he'll feel really proud. But okay. everybody loves his Cosmos, and I'll drink one too. They're pretty good. He knows he makes them better. I don't know what his secret is at all, but he does a pretty good job. But it's it's like not the kind of thing I normally drink. I just assumed – I don't remember even when Cosmos appeared in the show. They just – it was just a thing people talked about in connection with Sex and the City. Mm-hmm. It turns out that the Cosmo didn't appear until the second episode of season two in no 1999. Crap. Yeah. Yeah. Really? It's mm-hmm. an episode called The Awful Truth. And in that episode, only Samantha and Stanford are drinking them. Carrie mm. is drinking a vodka on the rocks, which is intense. Yeah. Very intense. <laughs> it's it's like they're like mad mad men, you know, like they're they're drinking these extremely classic drinks. Yeah. It's very New York. Very New York. So I just want to tell you all, like a lot of things we talk about here, there are so many articles about the Cosmo and its tie to Sex and the City. Like I I read so many of them. <laughs> Yes. Um, and my favorite one is from a Vice article called How Sex in the City Ruined the Cosmo. We're going to link to it in the show notes. Don't worry. Uh, because you have to read this. It's really interesting. Um, I'm going to read directly from the article right now. Uh, the Cosmopolitan is effectively just a very simple vodka sour. Veteran bartender oh. and bar owner Toby Cicini. Ch- Ch- Sorry, I just totally butchered his name. Uh, Toby Caccini. I don't know. Anyway, he says, it has this Tony name and it's served in a Tony glass. Though cocktail origins are always tricky to pinpoint, many recognize Caccini as the man behind the drink. Like he invented it. Mm. One day at work, he caught wind of a drink that was popular in San Francisco leather bars. Dubbed the Cosmopolitan, it was a pretty vile sounding mix of real vodka Rose's grenadine and lime cordial in a V-shaped glass. I mean, that sounds disgusting. Yes. He revamped the cocktail using citron, Cointreau, fresh lime, and, of course, ocean spray cranberry juice cocktail. There you go. What emerged was refreshingly tart, beautifully blush, and dressed with a lemon peel garnish. Uh the Cosmo picked up major momentum after its appearance on Sex and the City. It became the drink for a girls' night out. And it is absolutely, yeah, totally right. And it is widely considered the cocktail that personifies the aughts. But as the craft cocktail movement grew, and we know that all started mm-hmm. with the ye olds and the exactly. hipsters and all of their 97 ingredient artisan cocktails. At the same time, Sex and the City was waning, and soon the Cosmo became a sort of embarrassing thing to drink. I mean, it would be Definitely. mortifying to go order one right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it would be so weird. As we know, 
Sex and the City hasn't exactly aged well, and people over time saw it as more of a parody of rich, clueless white ladies. And because the Cosmo is so linked to Sex and the City, in a way that, like, I can't name another cocktail that is linked to any television show or film. I can't think of it at all. Uh, because it's so tied, they're so connected to one another. Well, you, what about, okay. Okay. <laughs> what about, um, James Bond. What does he drink? A martini. Okay, yeah, I guess it's fair enough. Yeah, okay. There's one. Also, martini, <laughs> I don't know, it's like, it feels less specific to me. How about like hmm. that high C ecto cooler that was linked to Ghostbusters? I love that. Yeah, that I was good. That now that, stuff. I would yeah, rather it was like have- orange. I would rather have some ecto cooler mm-hmm. over a Cosmo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's like this cocktail- it's just so a part of that show that it, even though there have been several times where like the media was saying like, oh, Cosmos are making a comeback, it just didn't no. happen. No. Uh, a friend of the Vice writer in this article said, the Cosmopolitan is what you used to drink to get wasted with no calories when you had a UTI. Oh my God, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it is so on point. It makes sense. Well, in the first Sex in the City movie, the less bad one, uh, Miranda. <laughs> less bad the one. The less bad one. Uh, Miranda sips a Cosmo and asks, Why did we ever stop drinking these? And Carrie replies, Because everyone else started. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> So that's the Cosmo. Um, the next one is another one that was sort of a surprise to me, and it was Magnolia Bakery. Oh, right. And cupcakes as a whole. Oh, my gosh. Cupcakes. Yes, especially in New York. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cupcakes. Yeah. In a 2014 episode of Broad City, which I would call the anti-sex in the city, yep. Magnolia Bakery is described as the plate, the last place tourists go before leaving New York City. Agreed. I've actually never been. <laughs> Me neither. I've never been. I've like never been. I've definitely gotten cupcakes from a vendor that were from Magnolia Bakery, but I've never actually been in there. It's just not Nor have I had a Cosmo there. I mean, I had one in Madison before I moved because that was like popular, but... <laughs> I wouldn't ever dare drink a Cosmopolitan in New York when I lived there. Oh, my God. No. I mean, I wouldn't now. No. You know, I also just tried to think I mean, of, it was free. If it was free. <laughs> like, what if they're giving out free Cosmopolitans? Where? Maybe, where where are we where that's happening? <laughs> um, we're at like a wedding or something. I don't know. Huh, I want to know what friend of ours is getting married and is like, it's only open bar with Cosmos. That's it. Someone with a really good sense of humor. I know. Now I like want to go to that wedding. Like, what if Ty got married? I know. Just had Cosmos. Ty, if you're listening to this, can you get married and only have Cosmos at the reception? Please. <laughs> would drink would drink oh my god can you imagine how sick you would be the next day oh my god so sick i just i don't know about you but there was definitely a time in my life where i'd be like yeah i'll have a cranberry vodka barf city <laughs> yes. so gross <laughs> anyway okay so let's talk about magnolia bakery which if you didn't know is a bakery in new york that is famous for cupcakes so In season three, Carrie and Miranda grab cupcakes from Magnolia Bakery on Bleecker in the West Village. 
mm-hmm. at the time a relatively unknown place. The people who owned Magnolia Bakery didn't even know that Sex in the City was filming there until it happened. And so she and Miranda, so Carrie and Miranda are eating these cupcakes, and Carrie confesses her crush on Aiden. Because the other thing about Carrie is that she literally cannot hold a conversation unless it's about a dude. I swear. Yeah. Did she ever? What are Carrie's political beliefs? Where did she grow <laughs> up? What kind of music does she like? We'll never know. Yeah. It doesn't matter. She likes boys. <laughs> And she's really bad at dating. She's really bad at dating. <laughs> she can't keep a guy. What's that test that you can do on a movie, the Bechdel test, where it's like, is this a feminist film or not? And it's like one of the things is that, you know, there has to be this many female characters that are leads and there has to be this amount of time in the film or the show where women talk about something that isn't another, like isn't a man. And wow. I just don't. Think, I didn't even know this existed, and I'm very excited about it. I don't think Sex in the City could pass the Bechdel test. No. Yeah, I just like it, it was at least any scene with Carrie, uh, because we know like okay, Miranda was a lawyer, and she seemed like pretty busy being a lawyer and successful at it, and worked really hard. But then there was like Samantha worked in PR, which was really nebulous to me, but it seemed like she made a ton of money doing it. Yeah. And mostly she just talked about sex, but with men, um, except for that few episode arc where she had a girlfriend who always wanted to take baths. Right. Charlotte. Yeah. It was also kind of a stick in the mud. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're like, mm, I don't think this is a good relationship for you. Yeah, definitely not. Charlotte was just so hung up on getting married. Like, that's all she wanted. She doesn't pass the Bechdel test. So, like, no one on this show passes this. You know, even Stanford (laughs) doesn't pass. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Wait, you don't think Miranda – wait, Miranda Miranda might. Miranda Hmm. might. She's lawyering. There were a couple subplots involving people being shitty to her at work because she was a woman Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So, maybe Miranda passes. Maybe. I think, I think of all of them, Miranda's of all of them. the closest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was also con- – well, no, I actually really like Charlotte a lot too. I feel like Charlotte and Miranda were decent people. I can't decide what I think about Samantha because she just was so one-dimensional. And then Carrie I – mean, Charlotte and, like, also was pretty one-dimensional. I mean, she really was only obsessed <laughs> with finding a man and marrying him. And then when she finally did find a man to marry him, she – like, it was annoying and she hated the – the, the mother and like <laughs> he was having problems. It was and, just like and the mother's name was Bunny, which I fucking Bunny. love. I wish that she wore those like, name fl- Bunny. <laughs> oh my god! But she wore like those like bows in her hair. I know it was amazing. Remember Bunny? She, honestly, yeah. I see a direct line between Bunny and Blair Waldorf. Yeah. Gossip Girl. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's almost like yep. Gossip Girl is the pre prequel. To Sex in the City. Um, I'd watch a movie about Bunny because she's a character. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Anyway, back to cupcakes. So Carrie and Miranda, they get these cupcakes from Magnolia Bakery. It is a tiny scene. I mean, like, the bakery itself is a small part of this scene in this episode of this series. And this tiny cameo set a huge cupcake movement 
in motion. For one, business blew up so much for Magnolia that they were able to open locations all Whoa. over the world. Like in Dubai. People would line up and wait for hours in Dubai to get the cupcake that Carrie Bradshaw ate. Wow. Yeah. Secondly, cupcakes as a thing began to happen. They were the mm-hmm. dessert treat of the aughts. Cute, compact, and very appealing in social media posts. So, except for Pinkberry. Pinkberry's frozen yogurt. Are you talking? Okay. To- oh, yeah. We're talking about a frozen cupcakes. dessert treat. Uh, oh, yeah. You're right. Okay. Um, except for the frozen. dessert treat. The se- Okay. The baked. The baked. The baked. Yeah, there you go. There we go. Okay. Okay. So yeah, these were the they were they were rivals. Uh, They do offer very a very different value (laughs) proposition. (laughs) Anyway, I mean, imagine if you had like a magnolia cupcake with a pink berry topping. Like, stop it! I just got a boner. Would eat. (laughs) (laughs) Would eat. Um, Like, why was why did that not happen? You're right. What a collaboration. This yeah. is before everybody was doing collabs all the time. But if this were happening now in the era where, like, Forever 21 has to collaborate with the USPS, you know, and, like, yeah. Ulta has to collaborate with Gilmore Girls and all this other crazy shit, there would absolutely be 100 Pinkberry, Magnolia Cafe, and Fendi collabos out there. Totally. You know? And so – the Magnolia thing just blew up and suddenly everybody was like, I'm starting a cupcake place. You know, we got sprinkles, so many other, I mean, there's so many cupcake companies. I can't even think of them all. Oh my God. Sprinkles. We used to have one um, when I lived in New York across from our office and they would always get these goddamn sprinkles. Not that good. Not that good. They're disgusting. They're basically just big sugar bombs. Yeah. Yeah. No, not good at all. There was an amazing place. I'm sure it's still around in Portland that opened up in this era called Saint Cupcake. Literally mm. the best cupcakes ever. So if you're, See? In, if you're in Portland, go to Saint Cupcake. They make mini ones. They're so good. Uh, they're expensive. LA has a lot of cupcakes, like the bacon cupcakes are very Mm. popular, I remember. And, oh, and then like Captain Crunch cupcakes and like just, you know, the really crazy ones. I feel like cupcakes never really got replaced. Like for a while it seemed like donuts were going to be the new cupcake. Then it was Mm. like, oh, macarons are going to be the new cupcake, but nothing ever was the new cupcake. That's true. It just donuts be- really did, yeah, become pretty popular. Though, they did, right? they did, but never quite the same. Like, no, I mean, you and I like to laugh about this all the time, but every time there was like an expose about Nasty Gal, it would be like we used to get <laughs> cupcakes all the time, and now we don't. <laughs> it always makes me laugh. <laughs> Losers. <laughs> we never get cupcakes anymore. Uh, no one ever said that about donuts. I think donuts are timeless. I don't know about cupcakes. I love right? them. Yeah. Um, so there's like this classic tourist move involving Magnolia Cafe. If you're like – I mean Magnolia Bakery, whether you're a Sex and the City super fan or you just like to do touristy things, it's to buy – the exact cupcake that Carrie eats in that episode, which is vanilla God. cake with pink vanilla buttercream frosting, stroll over to the brownstone on Prince Street where the exterior shots of her apartment were taken. And then, I'm sure the people that live there love I'm that. I'm sure they love it. And then snap a photo for Instagram with your cupcake as an accessory. Oh. I have walked by there by accident, and I have seen this going down. Gross. 
Um, <laughs> no offense if anyone else yeah, has done this. Yeah, it's fine. This, I mean, I get it. It's it's iconic. It's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, we, you know, Kim just hates cupcakes. She's really judgy. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, according to company chief baking officer, Bobby mm. Lloyd, I have no idea what that job description entails, but I like the sound of it. According to Bobby Lloyd, for Sex and the City fans who can't afford a pair of Manolo Blahniks, the Magnolia Bakery Cupcake is that affordable experience that Miranda and Carrie had. Mm. The success of that Magnolia Bakery's West Village location also elevated the entire neighborhood, seriously changed the entire landscape of That's that right. part of the West Village so when big designers like Mark Jacobs and so many others moved into that area. Mm-hmm. And it was never the same again. All thanks to Carrie Bradshaw having a crush on Aiden. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that a lot of you who are listening to this actually watch the show and you're not really annoyed by us right now. So I'm sorry if we're annoying you. Uh, please don't leave us a bad review. But uh, please, th- do you remember how Aiden had one run on a season, right? And then they broke up. I think they broke up because she was cheating on him with Mr. Big, right? And oh. then they got back together. He came back, though, in this new incarnation where he was, like, super hunky. But in mm-hmm. the, the first version, Aiden 1.0, he had, like, shaggy hair, and he wore a lot of jewelry. I remember being like, That's whoa, right. he has so many rings. <laughs> yes. It was like all that like kind of like Black Hills gold or silver or yeah, whatever, you know? Yeah, totally. It was very authentic, actually. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, that all adds up to me. This guy who has this country house in Suffern and makes furniture <laughs> and has a dog. Of course, he's a dog guy. He was so nice, though. Oh, I know. Yeah. Justice And then they opened a bar. Yes. Yes. And that's how she got back in there. But then she broke up with him anyway. Sad. God. Really, Carrie just makes bad decisions. She really does. She really does. Um, I only have a couple other trends that the internet tells me were really, like, really thrown into hyperdrive by Sex and the City. And then maybe you have some something you want to call out. One was cigarettes. Oh, that's right. Watching Sex and the City. So, like, the thing about Carrie, in addition to her being annoying, is she smokes all the time, everywhere. She has absolutely no manners about it. And we're supposed to be sympathetic to her love of smoking. And apparently, this really motivated women to smoke. Oh. Yeah. That is interesting. I guess that does make sense. I remember there was an episode where they went to L.A. And they were she was just having a miserable time because no one would let her smoke. And I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. Get your mm-hmm. cigarettes out of here. Um, the other thing that I thought was really interesting is actually MacBooks and Apple computers as a whole got a pretty big lift from female consumers because oh, that was that the kind sense. of computer that Carrie used. And it was very prominent on the show. Um, and wasn't one of her first computers like the Apple colorful apple mac well i remember aiden bought her one of those she had like a regular macbook and then it broke and he bought her the cute one and he was like see it's like a purse and she was like i don't i hate it i want my old one back she was like yeah total brat about it 
Um, I just <laughs> want to remind you all too that there's an episode that, like, for me, is peak annoying Carrie, where she has to send Aiden an email or something, and she doesn't know how to do it, and she signs up for AOL, and her oh username God. is something like Shoe Gal sixty nine or something like yes. that. At AOL. it is, it's totally <laughs> yeah. And she, when she she's like, I don't know, did it send? At? And I'm like, dude. People have been sending emails for five, six, seven, eight years now. Like, you need to get your life together. There's no way that you are one of the hottest columnists in New York City and you've never right. sent up for email. And your email address is shoe girl, shoe gal, 69. <laughs> shoe or gal. The fuck. Like, well, do you remember she wouldn't use a flip phone either? She wouldn't bring up, get a cell phone. Oh my God, that's right. <sighs> she just makes no sense. I don't know how yeah. Carrie Bradshaw exists in 2021. Yeah, she doesn't. When we last saw her, she was married oh, yes. to Mr. Big, and she wanted to divorce him because he never wanted to go out for dinner. He's also like, isn't Mr. Big older than her? He's like 60. Let him stay home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have friends to go out to eat with. Yeah. And like, yeah, I, I think she's just unbearable. You know what? I would break up with Carrie Bradshaw. Via post-it Absolutely. note as well. <laughs> Absolutely. What was the thing that she always said? It makes me wonder. Or what is it? I couldn't help but think. I couldn't help but think. <laughs> I couldn't help but think. I don't know, girl. Girl. I don't know if you're doing much thinking over here. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> <laughs> Well, can you think of any other trends that I missed? Oh, my God. I'm sure that there's like a million. Um, <sighs> I mean, what an iconic show. It's yeah. like not even that good. And yet here we are talking about all these crazy ways it just boosted the economy. You know what? Something that always bugged me about Sex and the City is they never used like real music. Like, imagine Sex and the City That's with true. actual music of the time. Instead, it was always just, like, weird, canned, cheesy music. And mm -hmm. I feel like that was one of the things that made that show not cool. That's true. It was hokey. Yeah, the music was, The like sound was hokey. hokey. Yeah. I mean, they could have definitely been a... They could have affected music trends if it wasn't this shitty, hokey, like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, weird... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but exactly, exactly. Like, you know they had money, right? Yeah. And you have to think, like, in the later days of Sex and the City, there were shows that had contemporary music in them. Like, I think about the OC, for example. You mm -hmm. know, like, they had music that the kids liked, you know, that kind of stuff. And every, like, soapy, influential television show that came after that totally had music. But Sex and the City was just like, I don't know, we need something kind of jazzy. Yeah. Can, can we pull that Seinfeld creator? Imagine, oh my God. The Frasier. The intro to Sex and City, it stays the same, but the music becomes the Seinfeld theme song. <laughs> <laughs> let's not invest any money into the music. It's only going into flowers and shoes. Yeah, let's just, is there like some free music we can get? <laughs> 
like royalty free like seriously it always like in the later seasons it really bugged me it really really yeah, bugged because me. new york was like an epicenter of music and they were all about new york and it was just like no we're only going to these like clubs i do remember i, I don't know if i've told you this story but I might have told you the story. Anyway, I remember there's, um, they went to bed. Remember <gasps> when bed? Yes. Okay. Tell everyone what bed is in case they don't know. Talk about a really weird trend. Yeah. Bed was like, it was a club and it was all these beds and it was like outside and you could go lay on a bed and so like, drink cocktails. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, I used to be a buyer and we, there was a, one of the showrooms, I think it was like the acne showroom or something was across the street from the old where bed was, but bed had been abandoned. And so it just looked like this really weird wasteland. Like the beds were all there still weird. And it was like, yeah, it was like, the, and all like the curtains and everything that were originally up we're all just tattered and torn. And it was just like, you know, cause it'd been like years and it'd been rained on and, you know, uh. hurricaned and snowed. And it was just like this really strange thing. And you just like looked out and you saw bed. That is <laughs> so weird. I wonder no. how long bed was actually in business. Cause like, once again, it's just Not disgusting. Long. I don't want to go sit on a bed where people have been drinking and rolling around and, Remember the standard in LA? Oh my god! Okay, so we and they had that that crap. The remember that nasty gal party at the standard? You were there, right? Yes, and it was like people were like getting pregnant in that pool. Yeah, and it's like four p.m. on a weekday. So Mm -hmm. if you're not familiar with the standard in LA, uh, well, there's two. There's one out in West Hollywood, but then there's one downtown. And it's on the fair, it's on the top of you know it's a huge building and they have a rooftop deck and there's a pool and like I don't know, you have drinks and it's it's a place although I would say I'm just speculating ninety percent of the people who you see there at any given moment are not people who live in L A they're tourists and so they are up on that roof acting like it's Vegas and they mm-hmm. are nasty like there was some beds there too yeah there was and I feel like. Like, there's been, like, people literally – people actually having sex on oh, those Oh, yeah. Things. If you had one of those, like, purple lights, you'd see some stuff. You'd scan those beds with those purple, like, semen detector lights or whatever. So, so gross. The black lights, you yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Just they, a black light? Black light, yeah. So gross. And, like, just the stuff I saw there happening in that pool was horrifying to me. Just I was, was like, so bad. there are easily a thousand people around you right now. Like, it was just so gross. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they actually, you know, I think when on the show, when they went to L.A., they stayed at the Standard in West Hollywood. Probably. Which was, like, I think it closed. Did it close? Is it still open? I feel like I heard it was closing finally. I don't know. I know nothing about the Standard. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I did send you an article, The Quick Rise and Tragic Fall of Beds in Clubs. <laughs> an article. <laughs> oh, my God. The, what the a bed, trend. The tragic downfall of the American bed club trend. And there's, like, these pictures of these people fucking laying around in it's beds. It's so gross. Uh, it's so – it cannot – like, hilarious. you get the health department in there. You know what I mean? It's yeah. It's so, so gross. Like bed bugs, bro. So, totally. Yeah. I mean, it couldn't exist now. Imagine a bed the club in the era of COVID. Oh, 
<laughs> so disgusting. But that was the one of the things about Sex and the City that I think made it so aspirational is it was like so fantastical because they would always go to like the hottest club, restaurant, bar, whatever of that exact moment. And it painted mm-hmm. this picture of just like how cool it could be to live in New York. And how you yeah. two could go to a club that was just a bunch of beds. Which, of course, I'm sure like the it, it probably led to extreme skyrocketing um, rent and real estate and all that stuff. Oh, for sure. People just flooded in. <laughs> I'm sure there were tons of people who were like getting highlights like Carrie or oh God, yes. I remember there was blowouts. A, there was. Yeah. Oh, my God. This was the era of like blowout salons opening. Mm-hmm. Or how about, like, I remember there was an episode where Samantha was involved with some sex swing that probably, like, blew out. There was an episode about the rabbit, which was a pretty oh, big vibrator yes, of that time. The and also the Hitachi, yes. Hitachi magic wand. And both of those saw really huge sales increases from being featured on the show as well. Like, you, if it was on that show, it was um, it was the best thing that could happen to your business. Yeah, it's like Oprah. It was. You're basically the city was the mm-hmm. Oprah of, I don't know. It's a different lifestyle. <laughs> of sexy, sexy um, cable. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, once again, it's so crazy. Like, this is a show you can only watch if you have HBO. You know, and yet it just, it spread like wildfire. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were selling those flower pins at Urban Outfitters. We were putting a yeah. flower on everything oh yeah it was insane it's gonna come back it's gonna come back i'm excited for it if i see any thrifting i'm picking them up (laughs) yeah (laughs) well that's all i have about sex in the city well that was such a lovely surprise thank you amanda it was fun right it's i know it was the right time dustin was like why are you guys talking about that and i'm like dustin have you not heard about the reboot get your life together dustin he's eagerly awaiting the reboot though too (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he really is. But he can't wait. <laughs> well, that's all we have for today. And we were, we're taking next week off because it's my anniversary. My Aww. anniversary of being married to Dustin. So we are doing some stuff. Um, maybe we'll go to a club that's full of beds. Ooh. <laughs> Send pictures. <laughs> um, but we'll be back the week after that. Cool. All right. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.